Slava Isusu Christu. Please be seated. And after feeding the crowd, the loaves and the fishes, Jesus dismissed them. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The gospel today is very important as the loaves and the fishes are an example of Christ multiplying food. Now he did this as the Apostle Teach tells us in commenting on this gospel to uh, impress upon us the fact that the bread and the wine becomes his body and blood parts which he fills the multitude. But of course, the significance between the two foods is different. Uh, when I multiply churches, as I've done, and especially the most important thing in the church is always the holy table. The altar starts here. This is the altar area. Holy table is the most important object in the temple. So some of you were here when the bishops came to consecrate. And uh, some wondered why they didn't consecrate the church first. Well, they consecrated the altar first, the holy table. And they put special types of oil, chrism, said many prayers, and then they dressed the altar like dressing Christ. Because in the church, the altar is the throne of God. Then he went around on the inside of the church and he marks the walls with crosses, with chrism. And then they went outside and blessed the outside of the church with holy water. And then the grounds, they consecrated the grounds on which the church stands. So this is a holy place where we meet God. And he dwells especially on the, in the tabernacle, on the altar, body, blood, soul, divinity, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I've told you that many, many times, impressing you with what's really going on, what's really happening. And of course, around the church is the cloth on the wall, it's a tablecloth uh, showing us that we are united in the eating of the body and blood of the Lord in the Holy Eucharist at the Holy Table. Now, the most important thing we can think about on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, Sabbath is Saturday. The Sunday is the Lord's Day. But Sunday he rose from the dead. So in the Acts of the Apostles, it says that they gathered on the first day of the week for the breaking of the bread to eat the body and blood of the Lord. 
in the other Gospels where the meals are mentioned, so interesting, some of them were they receive the bread first, it's consecrated, and they receive the wine second at the end of the meal. But we receive it all together. And they, in the Acts of the Apostles, they say, well, go tell your, go take your common meal in your home or someplace, wherever you're going to do that. But they wanted to distinguish what this meal meant, the body and blood of the Lord. So when you were a little child, or in case of Thomas, who's with us today, he was baptized and chrismated yesterday, received the Holy Communion. The preparation to be near the altar was chrismation. And the royal gifts were given there of faith, hope, and charity, which were infused by God. And then finally, after giving those marks, we receive our Lord because we become a priestly people. We have the ministerial priesthood, that's Jesus Christ, but you are the body of Christ. All those things are marked in you. So the priest, uh, Chrismacin, does your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your chest, your feet, your hands, whatever he can. He's consecrating you a priestly person for the worship of God. That your worship might be acceptable to God because you're part of the very body of Christ. People say, well, how can I be part of the body of Christ? What God is by nature in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, you are imbibed the gifts of grace and the sacraments, and you're marked. So you have, they used to say in the catechism, indelible marks, which change you. So yesterday evening, Thomas went home with his relatives and his wife, and they'd renewed their vows so they'd be sacramental in the church. And it wasn't the same Thomas that left the house. She didn't married the same man. This man was changed by the sacramental liturgy of the church. So he can say, I now live, not I, but Christ lives in me. Or he who lives in me is Christ. And his prayer especially is precious to all of us. So when he sits quietly or he's in liturgy praying, he joins the rest of the body of Christ to offer this great worship to the Lord. It's magnificent. So he's a new creation. So I used to uh, like to tease a little bit. So I told people when I was ordained a priest, the nature of what I was changed. So I said I was really reborn so I said, uh, I, ch I can change, change my birthday now and shed a few years. But of course, we can't really do that, can we? But spiritually, we can do that. I thought I was being funny saying I 
drops in age and time. I did drop a lot. I dropped the lack of grace in my life of the priesthood, which made me a new dimension, a new person that could do things like John 22, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven, whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. That's an awesome responsibility of an ordained priest. Awesome responsibility of the baptized, chrismated people of God is to worship the Holy Trinity. And Elizabeth was preaching to me this morning, and I let her do that. It's a good thing. Somebody's got to preach to me. And she told me, she said, you know, we are Christ. And the way we treat each other is how we are treating Christ. We are his, Pius XII said, his mystical body. Mysterion, theology. How the mystery of God invades our lives. And does that through the sacramental liturgy and the graces they receive. And it's a real change. A real, as they would say from philosophy, of substantial change. What you were, you were. What you are now is a new person, a new man, a new woman. Well, every new person, just like a person gets married, they assume new obligations. And your obligation is to pray in the church, for the church, for the people of God. Now we have a special way that we do that not only the liturgy that we celebrate this beautiful Byzantine liturgy, but we have a liturgical calendar. So right now, the art of the calendar is going to put us into a fast. It's the fast in preparation for the feast of the Holy Theotokos, or falling asleep, Dormition, and her assumption into heaven. For great fast, we have feasts. And before the fast, with the fast, we have a, a fast. Now, this one is simple. It's only about two weeks because we're just about 15, 14 days away from the Dormition. And the church teaches us to do something about these great feast days. Prepare for communion for them and go to church and participate in the liturgy, the Eucharistic liturgy. So people say to me, well, I had to work, I had to do this or that. When I was a youngster, everybody went to church on feast days. So some say, well, you can give me a, different, a, a dispensation. I said, yes, I can give you one dispensation a year, and you better pick the one you need. I cannot dispensate you from your obligations to worship the Lord. Something very important, you say to me, well, I, if I don't show up tomorrow, I'll lose my job, so I'll give you dispensation. But we have lots of opportunities to fulfill a holy day in the Eastern Church, especially where we have such a full liturgy. You can go to Vespers. You can go to Matins. You can go to Divine Liturgy. 
and all those things, and especially in Divine Liturgy, you receive the body and blood of the Lord. A wonderful way to enter into his feast day. But along with that, we should learn our religion. So Bishop, one of the bishops of our church, Thomas, he says the monks get a better education than anybody else in the church. They know more about the religion. And of course, I spent many, many years to become a priest, and I thought I lot of new and knew a lot about the religion. But in the parish church, there's no, they have liturgy every day, but they don't have the other offices. It's an unusual church that has the other offices, although they should. will be enough time for them, the parish priest, to take care of his people, the sick and all that, and still do his, their hours. So he might take some part of the liturgy during the day to fulfill his obligation to pray. But in the monastery, we have matins. That's two hours of prayer. Maybe more, maybe a little bit less. We have the little hours, which mark those hours that Christ was on the cross when he suffered the passion. And we have vespers, and we have night prayer, Compline. And if we're a big enough monastery, we have the prayer through the night. That can be very long. It can be all night. Practically speaking, some monks come to me and they say, well, I want to do this. I said, if you're young enough and strong enough to do it, you can do it in your cell. I tell them that. Sometimes, sometimes it's very beautiful, like Christmas Eve. Sometimes on Christmas Eve, even in the parish, I would take part of that at the end of the liturgy on Christmas Eve. These offices teach us our religion. They say that four years celebrating Matins, and you have learned another course in theology for your life. A theologian in the Eastern Church is one who speaks with God. We only call a few theologians, St. John the Evangelist, Gregory the New Theologian, and Gregory Palamas. They had profound teaching that they only could have received from God. Wonderful. So what I'm telling you today is your faith is a rich source of growth, a rich source of blessing, and a personal holiness. Personal holiness is why God put us on earth. Simeon said, and Seraphim Asaraf also said, the reason God put us on the earth was to acquire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the presence of God in your immortal soul. When you die, your beautiful body fades away. 
It's got to be usually in the old days. Uh, we used to have to bury everybody by the third day because they would start to corrupt. Unless they're unusual saints. Some of them did not. Now they put you in a refrigerator and they hold you over to everyone who can gather for the funeral. But that was not the case years ago. And uh, the priest, when you, you fall asleep in the Lord, he anoints your body. When you're sick, he anoints your body too. And because uh, it's a holy relic, because it's been fed on the body and blood of the Lord, it's a thing that's holy. And your death, your body belongs to the church. And we should bury it in consecrated ground. Not just any place. It's a holy thing. And you know, I don't want to put up with you to get upset because you weren't buried right. In the prayer books we read, uh, we read these lessons every day from the prologue. There's always some saint ticked off and they have to do the proper thing to bury him. And then he quiets down. There's stories of them that have done that. It's wonderful to know what a man is. A man or woman is a full person, fully mature in God, Gregory the Great. Beautiful. You're always beautiful once you receive the sacraments. You're never alone. And you're always cherished by the church. We do not take the time that we should to care for each other as we should. So to Jesus in the gospel today, he gave them fish and bread. He fed them and said, go on your way. Carry the message with you. But by feeding them, he was saying, you're important to me. You're not just nobody. Many times I think about all the nobodies that are in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Everyone got there because they were marked with the life of Christ. They ate the body and blood of the Lord. They led a prayerful life. Sometimes we get so confused that we get to think that the life out there, the secular life, is the life. It's not the life. They're all going to die. He used to have a joke, yeah, they're all dressed up with no place to go because they didn't live the Christian life. All dressed up with no place to go. I thought that was terribly disrespectful. And I remember going to funerals and they lay out the people in a casket, a little coffin or something, and they were dressed up fit to kill. Then when I got older and started thinking a little bit, I wondered what their soul was like. Was it beautiful when it presented itself at the gates of paradise? Did Jesus say, to them, 
come, you blessed of my Father. That's the great compliment. That's the great success. That's the reason for life. So they used to tell us in the seminary, live the way you want to die. Live that you die a holy life. And that beautiful soul of yours will be beautifully welcomed into heaven. Other saints will adore you because they see Christ in you. Magnificent. I think the tragedy is this. We are doped up on secular living. Parties, excessive drinking, drugs. So we're watching a movie with Susan yesterday. And uh, this gentleman was having a very difficult time establishing himself. But he was a singer and he had an ensemble and he got very famous. And uh, he was driving around with his, the people that he sang with from street to street or town to town, neglecting his life, his wife and children. So one of his uh, confreres said, well, we're, we're famous now. And, he, and he, his confreres said, yeah, we're famous enough to go to hell. What do you think about that? We're famous enough to go to hell. Nobody really liked to hear that. Why? Because we don't put first things first, and we think we can get catch up with that later. So Christopher, I raised a boy, adopted a boy, and raised a boy, and uh, he's a fairly decent Catholic. I watch over him. But anyway, he's had some ups and downs. And I think about him. Is he going to be with me in heaven? Who's going to greet us in heaven? I want to see mom and dad. It's going to be interesting to see thousands of generations of you that took to make you the person you are in heaven. So anyway, Jesus feeds us on his body and his blood. He sends us into the world. He says, do not be of the world. Be in the world, but do not be harmed. If you're in the world and you're not harmed, you're carrying Christ in your heart, you're praying, and you're really constantly good to your neighbor. I remember when I was in the military as a chaplain, I knew those fellows used bad language. I was in the military, I learned a few words too, I didn't hear at home. And, uh, but when the chaplain walked through visiting the troops, he didn't hear any bad words. God is always watching. God is always trying to reach out to you. 
God is always feeding you on his presence. And that presence grows the reception of the Holy Eucharist. You Christians, you are to be congratulated because you know the path to eternal life. Do not be confused by politicians that's going to give you life, eternal life on earth. They're going to discover something that's not possible. Has nothing to do with what? I'm great. I'm grateful for doctors and people like that. But I've had so many doctors now. I'm like Monsignor Michael Artem. He buried most of his physicians. He got a great age, and the doctors took care of him and died off. And they always give him these big lectures, you know, how to take care of yourself. And they, they preceded him in death. They can only do so much. The body is a frail container of the soul. There comes a time when the body wears out because of original sin and you want to go home and your beautiful soul wants to go home. Don't fear that. Live such a life that God will embrace you and say, come to me, you blessed of my Father. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.